Welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What a beautiful day to be alive. We are channeling major March energy right now. Today, we are talking to Rhea Carey. Coach Carrie is a three-time certified life coach and motivational speaker who encourages others to tap into confidence they never knew they had. Hey, mm. Mm. it's me. I'm she. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And she will steer you towards self-awareness, resilience, and sustainable success. Amen to that. Raya, we need you to help us understand this current coaching phenomenon. What is it that makes a good coach and why do we need one? Hmm. First and foremost, I have to be certified. I think part and parcel with the phenomenon is that a lot of people have now just named themselves a coach. We don't have trainers anymore. We have coaches. We don't have business consultants. We have coaches. I'm all about supporting anyone and everyone if they're helping people. But a lawyer, if a person lied about being a lawyer, they would go to jail. If they lied about being a doctor, they would go to jail. Coaching is still new-ish, so it's not as regulated. So my concern always lies with how are we supporting those people? So uh, what makes a good coach, number one, is being certified. Number two is consistently bringing it back to asking questions. One of the big things for true certified life coaches is to ask questions. We don't necessarily give advice unless specifically asked if it pertains to my expertise. For example, if a client asked me about weight loss and confidence, no problem. Otherwise, it's all about asking questions so they kind of create the answer for themselves. And it's like a four-year-old to an extent, right? You know, if you tell a kid to do something, oftentimes they don't want to do it. But if they tell themselves they want to do it, there's no stopping them. And adults aren't much different. So coaching really helps people kind of transition from where they are to where they want to be and keeping holding them accountable, asking them the right questions to kind of bring that out of themselves. And I would say the third thing is for that coach to be able to observe the box, to extend a hand, but to not get in the box. 
And so what I mean by that is really being able to stay objective. And that can be tricky because your clients might talk to you about something that is triggering for you or is upsetting to you, but it is your job to hold that space for them. The relationship can never change to client supporting coach. That, I feel like that, that's a lot to unpack, but in a really good way. And it's obviously really important for people to understand the difference when looking for a life coach and looking for that support. And I think those three tips were 10 out of 10. So can you tell us about the training that was involved for you to personally become a life coach? You talked about the certification. So what does that look like? Mm -hmm. I think in some ways it can look a little bit different for every person. There's many different avenues. There's many different schools. So I think it also depends on what resonates best. There's also different styles of coaching per se. Um, And I majored in psychology and university. So I've always really been passionate about kind of figuring out why people do the things they do. So I could figure myself out. Uh, You know, I was contemplating many things, my identity, my sexuality, my gender pronouns, et cetera. So it was something that always really stood out to me. And that's what I actually majored in in university. And then when I heard about coaching, it was like, whoa, this is so me. So my first certificate in coaching is with IPEC, the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching. And for me, after doing a lot of research, it really felt like not just a, a top accredited school, by the ICF, which if we had a bar would be the equivalent, the International Coaching Federation, that's the closest we have to it thus far, is that I the best thing that I liked about that school was, and why I decided to go with it, was because you, you have the ongoing community forever. And so even to this day, I graduated eight years ago, I could still go into the all the work that I did and all the new stuff they've added and continue my learning. There's also that ongoing community of all the other coaches who have graduated from that program. So if I have a question or I'm feeling stuck with a client, I can put it there. And that ongoing sense of community was something I'd always searched for in like university or I wish I'd gone to a school that had like crazy sports and all that stuff. And we, it didn't really have that. So being able to kind of have that pride and that community ongoing was the number one thing for me in sort of my journey. And then I, I'm, I'm big on learning. I wasn't necessarily big on homework. So I love continuing to learn. And I really am so passionate about coaching that I just constantly wanted to be better. How can I provide more for my clients? And so then I went on to get two more uh, diplomas in coaching. So my journey looked a little bit zig to the zag, to the crush, to the grow, to the learn. Uh, but other people's journeys might look a little bit different. And that's totally great as well. I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit, just kind of you know, when everybody, that wave of everybody becoming a personal trainer. <laughs> and then now I'm really seeing with the with the growth of social media, that everybody is the coach. And I'm not, no shade, truly no shade, but the growth of of coaches um, with, with arguably not a lot of um, education or backup to them being coaches. Not that I know most of their stories, but it's like, they're one thing and then all of a sudden they're a coach. Why do you see, like, does it, does it upset you seeing so many people following this avenue or do you celebrate it? Do you think it's great? Do you think, where do you stand on this? Yeah. Um, I think I'm sort of in the middle because on one hand, the more people supporting people is incredible. However, on the other hand, if people are saying they're certified and they're not, and they potentially get into a scenario where they're not supporting someone in a conducive way, that could be really harmful to that person and extremely harmful to the industry. 
So it, it's, it's tough. I think I'm, I'm not mad about it because I, I do love the growth of that industry, but I think I always want to bring it back to at least communicate. So that way you give everyone the choice. If you want to call yourself a coach, let's do it. But at least communicate with people coming to hire you that, oh, I'm not a certified coach or, oh, I'm actually a business expert and I can help you coach, coach you in business. So that way that person goes, oh, okay, cool. Now they get to make the choice. And if they want to continue to work with you, it alleviates a lot of discrepancies. So I, I feel like, the, yeah, I think it'd be great. Even if someone came to me and said, oh, okay, can you do business coaching? I said, you know, I can coach you on what's going on underneath, but is coaching you specifically on business my expertise? No, let me refer you to someone who, who does. But do you see an uptick of coaches who are all about money? I do. That one, uh, it's tough. I don't ever talk about money on my platform. That's a conscious choice that I make, not because money isn't great, but money is not my motivator. And, you know, I used to throw parties. I did events. I've been on, I've made tons of money. I've made none, no money. I know what it's like to be on both sides of that coin. And in an effort to be as inclusive and accessible and diverse as I possibly can, I have to be able to recognize that not everyone is, has the resources to even get to a place to make that kind of money. I do think there is room for it because some people do want to learn how to scale their business and use social media as a platform. And that makes perfect sense. However, sometimes I feel it can be, again, not as transparent when it said five steps to making your first million. <laughs> I don't think that is fully possible for every single person. Um, I, I think it's kind of like, you know, the skinny tea. It may make for, work for one person to go through a cleanse and lose a few pounds, but it's not going to make every single person magically skinny. Well, and what does skinny mean? How do you define it? So same mentality to the business. How do you define wealth? How do you define success? So I think that everyone has to also bring it back to themselves as a coach. My biggest thing is asking myself and my clients, like, what is within your control? And so there's going to be a million things out there that maybe don't serve you, but that's up to you to do your work before going into it. So if someone has built their business and now they're like, hey, I need a business coach or I need to learn how to scale or I need to learn how to take these tools and turn that into making more money. Yeah. Sign up for one of those from a trusted person. But if you're not there yet, then maybe you work on with some other people or talk to those people and look for a mentor or whatever. I just really think it's a it's a two-way street. We can't put all the blame on the people putting out stuff like that. There has to be some onus on the person who's signing up for it. Absolutely. And I feel like it's tough because people are in such different states of mind that they're turning to just anything that's going to kind of give them a bite or give them temporary satisfaction, that it's hard to almost differentiate those things. For sure. Yeah. Especially if you're in a tough spot, everything sounds like a golden ticket. Yeah. I mean, Raya, your energy is so confident, but you also have this calming effect to you. How did you find your own confidence? Tell us a little bit about your journey specifically. Ooh, how much time do we have? Okay. <laughs> You know what? It's pretty interesting because my journey started when I was really young and I was able to really hone in on it from an early age. My mom would always say to me that I was consciously aware since I was since like I was eight years old. I never knew what it meant though. I was just like, okay, sure. And then, you know, now in my 30s, I'm like, hmm, as usual, moms are on to something. And um and that's kind of what got me to, to psychology as well. I've always been the person who pauses and look, looks at things objectively, even before I knew what that meant. 
And I share this story a lot and just quickly will share with you as well that, you know, I was bullied and not bullied and I changed schools in grade four. And I always share this story because I firmly believe that this is where I like the pinnacle point for me to start wanting to build that confidence from within so that I could show up in the world in the way that I wanted to. And I know that sounds like, whoa, in grade four, like, how are you thinking to that? Don't know. Don't have an answer for you. Perhaps it's the consciously aware piece. But I walked into the classroom and I was the only new kid. I was the only fat kid and I was the only person of color. And so everyone's, you know, making fun of me and snickering and pointing. And I go to the washroom and I just ball my eyes out like sobbing. Didn't want to be there. Wanted to go home. But then I paused and I remembered that, you know, I don't want to bother mom and dad. They've left for work already. This is something I have to do on my own. And so I wiped my tears away and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you've done this before. You'll do this again. You have friends. And it feels like when I reflect, you know, it's like I was able to access my higher self somehow. In that, in that one moment, it was like flight, fight or flight almost. It was, must have been what was happening within me. After that, I'm like, okay, let me head back to the class, classroom. And I kept thinking, I've been bullied. I've been the bully. What is it that I can do differently? I really recognized that I didn't want to make people feel the way I had felt, which has been an underlying tone for my whole life. I'm a giver. I'm a lover. I'm a Virgo. You know, how can I support you? I'm fine. <laughs> Classic Virgo. And on my way to the classroom, it hit me. And it was just go around the room and introduce yourself to every single kid and learn their name and something about them. And it worked. And I didn't realize what was happening at the time. But, you know, that was really the beginning of me putting myself first in a way where I'm taking care of me from here, for me, within myself. And that began my first tool. And so for me, I always say that your tools are the things that help you feel your best. We all have them. Sometimes we don't remember them, but we made it to this day. So we've overcome something. So something has helped us and maybe that can help us again. So those, I call them my tools. So that was my first thing in my toolbox. But I changed schools like six more times. So had I not had that tool, I would have probably been bullied and bullied and bullied and bullied. And then grade 10, I'm over 600 pounds and I think I'm going to be bullied again. And everyone kind of is concerned. And I'm walking to the classroom. And once again, I'm the only new kid and the only person of color and only fat kid. And I just take a deep breath and I'm like, I got this. Hi, my name is Rhea. What's your name? Hi, my name is Rhea. What's your name? Boom, 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 boom. And I still do that to this day. Anyone who's ever seen me in a social setting can attest to this. I go around the room and introduce myself to every single person, learn their name and something about them. And that does two things. Reminds me that I'm within control of me. I'm showing up in the way that I want to show up. It gives me a moment to calm down because sometimes walking into big rooms, it can feel anxious. So it gives me a few minutes to catch my breath because they're busy talking. And lastly, they're like, whoa, Rhea's so great. She asked me about me and listened. And then I'm always somewhere in the back of someone's mind, which leads me to being able to do cool things like this. That's so amazing. What a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. You talked a little bit, I guess, about the genesis of your your mindset in that story and where it started. So what do you do when you find that your mindset is slipping because I imagine that you don't always remember those things. Nobody For sure. does. You know, you're not like, I'm a bad yeah. bee. So how do you kind of bring yourself back on track when you find you're slipping and sliding, you know, maybe back into a mindset that's not aligned? Oh, yeah. Especially with like the current state of our world or, you know, we're, it's getting a little bit better, but 
it can be tough. Um, number one thing is that I know what my tools are. So rather than me having that that scrambling feeling like, oh, I know I'm not feeling great, but I don't know what to do. Or usually our brains will like turn to our vices because that's what's on default, whether it's food or substance or whatever it might be. Our brain just like, oh yeah, when we feel like this, we go to this. So my tools allow me to come before the vices. So when I feel like this, oh yeah, this usually makes me feel better, whether that's meditation or swimming prior to COVID, going for a walk, uh, jumping on a FaceTime with some of my best friends because it's just laughter as soon as it happens. Those are the things that are readily available. So when I'm having those off days, I'm like, okay, I know what to do. But then there's times where that doesn't work, right? And for those times, I have, I've now really just allow myself to feel. I give myself like a day because if I've, you know, that I'm low in my vibrational and, and feeling and mental, then trying to rush through it sometimes can make things worse at least for myself. So I'll let myself feel it. Cancel my meetings, cuddle my dog, watch my favorite cartoons. And then the next day it's like, okay, you gave yourself a day, now move through it. Whether that's asking myself tough questions, journaling, or take, you know, just writing it out so it lives somewhere so I can kind of get it out of my head, whether that's a voice note or writing or typing, whatever the medium is. And then starting that day fresh. And then starting that day with all the things in my toolbox. So I'm just dumping the toolbox on myself. And then it's like, woo, 10 a.m. I showered, I meditated, I FaceTimed my mom, I went for a walk, I'm fired up, let's get this day going. And then the last thing I do is that I try my best to take what I call little transitions between everything I do. You know, we're all busy. I'm usually back to back from like 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. But I'll always take five minutes between every single keynote, every single meeting, every single talk, every single anything. So that even if one thing goes off or I don't feel great about or it's whatever, I don't carry that energy into everything I do. And it gives me those small pockets of self-care. Then by 7 p.m., I'm not like, oh, man, I'm feeling so drained. I'm feeling like, oh, yeah, today was long, but I got this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So we are finding it hard to stay motivated, especially after a whole damn year of in and out and in and out and in and out of lockdown. How do you find the inspiration to inspire and lead when you're feeling unmotivated yourself? I think for me, I'm so passionate about what I do because I think about what would I have done if I did not have resources when I was growing up? What would I have done had my parents not supported me when I told them that I was a hybrid and I didn't want to do ballet anymore and I wanted to dress like a boy? Their responses were, okay, what does that mean? 
Oh, sorry. I said, I'm a, I'm a hybrid. And they said, what does that mean? And I said, and I said, I don't want to do ballet anymore. And I want to dress like a boy. And they were both like, okay. And you know, that was back in the eighties. It makes you feel old, but there wasn't tools and resources for parents, especially Caribbean parents. Um, and so I think about things like that. And had I not had that, where would I have gone? What would I have done? So I try to really be a light for those who may not have that because I recognize I'm super privileged. I'm super grateful to be able to have had those resources. So that's something that even when I'm feeling low, I think of that and that reminds me that someone might need to hear this today. Someone might not have ever been seen or heard. And if I can do that, so for me, my biggest thing has always been impact over numbers. You know, I, social media has been a great platform for me, but I don't sit here every day thinking about what to post and what engage. I don't. I didn't even know how to check my engagement till like a couple of weeks ago. That's because for me, that keeps me aligned to my values. My messaging is: I'm a life coach, I'm a speaker. Let's put out some positivity. Let me help with some topics. My goal isn't a, isn't to be a content creator, you know. So sticking to my values and what aligns with me has helped me show up, but also to stay in my own lane, so to speak. Oh, and sorry, the last thing about staying in my own lane keeps me from comparing myself because that's an, an inevitable thing for all of us when we're on these social platforms. Even if you think you're in control, you're not. Uh-uh. <laughs> and, people, and people try to be good at everything instead of staying in their lane and being the best at that one thing. And that's when it becomes complicated. Exactly. And hey, no one is saying that people can't expand and grow and evolve. That's how we all got here. But if, if there's, we're juggling too many things, then nothing is getting our time. So I always say to people, build it up, you know, um, build one thing up and to a solid place and then expand. And I love how you just mentioned how you were greeted with that acceptance from your family off the bat but struggling to be vulnerable and actually say those things out loud. How do you teach people to start opening up and being vulnerable and breaking down those walls, even when they don't have a support system around them? <sighs> that is such a tricky one. But for like a lot of other things, it comes down to what is your relationship with yourself? Because if we really quiet all the noise and stop everything that is the only relationship that we have truly for as long as we live. And when we're thinking about how to talk about or communicate or share with other people, I never can tell someone when or how to do that. Everyone's journey is their own. So I think it happens when they feel safe to do so. And that's a huge one, you know, psychological and physical and all the versions of safety have to be there. And if that's not there then it's all about, do you accept yourself? Are you embracing yourself? Can you be honest with yourself? And then I usually encourage people, okay, if, that, if you're feeling good within yourself and you can admit it to yourself, because sometimes that's the first uh, step. Can you admit it to one other person? Can you admit it to a close friend where you do feel safe? And if that's the case, um, and usually it is from a lot of people, then at least if one person knows, you feel more like your authentic self. You know, there's some one person at least that you can 100% be your, And then from there, you, everything else grows and builds together. So I really think the number one thing is ensuring that that person feels safe to share those things with people and is feeling good within themselves to be able to then do that. So, I mean, we all have our days in terms of feeling confident, you know, not feeling great, ups, downs, highs, lows. What 
pieces of advice do you have for people who struggle to both be and feel confident? The tricky thing about confidence is that there's so many things that play a role that we don't often think about. A lot of times people think it's external and going for a massage. Hey, I love going for massages, but that can't be someone's only realm of caring for themselves. So when I think about confidence, I could break it down to probably a million things to be completely honest with you. There's so many things that play a role in it, but I think one foundational pillar is self-trust. You can't have confidence in yourself if you don't trust yourself. And so a way that someone could combat that is really keeping your word to yourself, even if it's a small thing. Even if you say, hey, tomorrow I'm not going to eat that cheeseburger, been there sometimes, but try not to. Right. And then when you don't, you're like, okay, I got this, trusting myself. Boom. That naturally builds more trust within yourself. Uh, The second pillar that I would say is consistently taking what I call self inventory. And self inventory, I like to say, is really understanding who you are. Because after a certain age, it's no one else's responsibility to manage or hold you accountable for your self growth or your self development. That's all on you. But if you're not tracking it or checking in on it regularly, then we're just all leaving it up to chance. That's not sustainable either. And a way that someone could work through that, I always share my four self-care questions. And I always recommend that people do these for a couple of nights a week for two weeks. Because after two weeks, then you really start to see what patterns might be showing up for yourself. And we all have them. But when you're able to put it on paper and step back and look at things objectively, it kind of hits different. And so the questions are, number one, what worked well for me today? Question number two is what did not work well? Question number three is what drained me? And question number four is what fueled me? And then you start to be like, oh, okay, whenever I do that, that works well. Let's keep doing that. Oh, every time I do this, it doesn't work well. Let's do less of that. Or every time I talk to this person, I feel drained. Okay, well, that now gives you a clue about what to do the following week, perhaps talk to that person a little less, right? So you really start to kind of understand what it is that you need for yourself. And when you are honoring yourself, you're building this foundation that you get to show up from. And these are the things that build that confidence, not necessarily external. That was the most actionable advice ever. (laughs) I'm all about actionable, actionable advice. Like, let's, I want someone to listen to this podcast and immediately after implement something new. Let's go. That's what life coaching is all about. Speaking of that, you talk a lot about sustainable success. And us humans um, are true examples of sticking to something for a month or two and then falling off. How does one achieve sustainable success? Oh, so many things. So many things. I think One for one pillar for me for sure is staying in my own lane, like I had said a little bit earlier. But when we're constantly comparing ourselves, we're putting ourselves in like a vicious cycle of negative self talk. And it can be really hard to pull yourself out of that. And when we're thinking about success, I know I've felt it this dawn and era of social media and everyone thriving to get the most likes and the most follows and the most shares and the most reels, and the most TikToks, and the most clubhouse rooms, and it's like, whoa, there's a million things happening, but what does success mean to you? Because you could be the most successful person in the world and not have social media. It's possible. You could be the most successful person in the world and have 500 followers. You know, So I think sustainable success really comes down to measuring what success is for you and then staying true to your values. 
because then you're not really getting pushed from one thing to one thing to one thing. You know, we've seen so many people or influencers, oh, I have a following now, so let me do every partnership brought to me. And we've seen how that can then hinder their engagement, hinder that trust with your community. But had that person stayed aligned with their values or taken the time to figure out what their values are, they probably would have said no to half of those partnerships. And then the other thing is, you know, I'm going to say it, self-care. How can you continue to be successful if you aren't taking care of yourself? People always say we pour from a full cup. No, we don't. Because if you're pouring from a full cup, then every at the end of every day, you're trying to ref- refill. And then you wake up and you're giving out from you. We actually pour from the overflow. And the overflow only comes from taking care of yourself. So that's why people always ask me, how are you able to sustain this schedule and showing up with positivity and love. And I'm like, because I'm pouring from my overflow. When I give to others, I'm not taking from myself. I'm giving freely. I usually ask this at the end, but how do you take care of yourself? Not like the hashtag self-care, kind of like go for a bubble bath. Like, how do you take care of yourself? What what do you do? What is your routine? For sure. There's definitely a few things. Uh, one of them is consistently checking in with myself on my boundaries. That's a huge one that I hadn't, I knew what a lot of my boundaries are, but I wasn't necessarily honoring all of them. Like saying yes to everything or being like, I care about this person. I want to show up, but I also have 35 other things that day. Am I going to be able to show up my best? You know, really honoring myself, my boundaries. Uh, I try to start every day with a sense of like my morning routine, which is water, movement, stretching, my affirmations like Pilar and Cleo and I shared. And that just kind of lets my physical catch up to my mental. I try not to do Instagram in the morning as well. And then I do my transitions in between everything I'm doing, always taking a pause. And then I try to log off social media at least for two hours or if not the entire evening as much as possible. And that really helps just screen time and unconscious comparisons. There's so many things. And then the other thing that I've been working on too is really ensuring that I'm surrounding myself with like-minded people who share, maybe not necessarily like-minded, but people who have similar values. I enjoy being challenged and I enjoy learning. Um, But I think having similar values in terms of support. For me, support and loyalty within friendships is so important. And I don't mean loyalty like, uh, hey, how are you? T- how come you're talking to other friends? You're my friend. <laughs> but I mean, loyalty in terms of, do, are you talking about me in rooms that I'm not in? Because I'm certainly talking about you in rooms that you are not in because I want the best for you no matter what. That's beautiful. It's so much more. I and mean, I'm always trying to like figure this out from different people, um, what they do other than like, you know, a good moisturizer. And because all of those topical things, they don't, the, the ritual of them can help you find something out great about yourself and give you even just a space to be alone in your thoughts. But there's so much more that you can do through meditation or accessing your inner being and working on that that can really give you that overflow. So thank you for sharing yours with us. My pleasure. Just listening to you talk about it as like bringing me peace. I'm like, we need to start checking these things off of our self-care lineup list. It's definitely how I'm able to go from like that 165% energy to that calm meditation energy. Best of both worlds, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Another hard hitter for you. I'm sure there have been several challenges in your life, but if you had to narrow it down, what would you say has been your biggest challenge as a life coach and how did you overcome this? 
I think my biggest challenge in being a life coach was a bit of the imposter syndrome for sure, in terms of like, who am I to do this? Uh, my life's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But obviously, it's not about that, right? It's about supporting people. And so that was something I really had to move through. I think the second thing really ties into what we chatted a little bit about earlier in regards to, you know, not those quick resources for making money. And I just really had a hard time talking about money. I really had a hard time charging my value per se. And because I never wanted to come off like, I'm trying to help people, but you better pay me. <laughs> and, and, and I had such a hard time really being concrete with, hey, this is my pricing. This is what's up. This is how I'm doing it. This is what's happening. Because I, you know, again, want to bring things, I believe everyone should have access to these types of resources. And, but I also have to take care of myself. It was through really understanding that people are, I'm, I'm giving a service, but I also have been doing this for almost 10 years now. So that's 10 years of work and expertise that I put into this so that they get the, the possible, best possible results with working with me. And so that really helped shift my mindset about it as well. I said, you know what? I'm still going to be me. I'm maybe not, not going to come in hot every single time. I'm often the person that says, you know, I'll try my best to accommodate your budget if I can. Right. And so I kind of give myself that wiggle room. If there's a charity event and it, I'm aligned with it. Yeah, let's do it. Or someone is showing up and has done the coaching questionnaire and is looking for resources and support in their budget, and they let me know, hey, this is my budget. I'm more inclined to continue to work with that person because they did the work. And that still aligns with me and my values. So really moving through the imposter syndrome was, I think, my one of my biggest challenges. And my second biggest challenge was being a queer woman of color in a realm that's predominantly white and male and much older than me. You know, when I was first starting every single person in my class was 30 years my senior and already execs. They were just looking for tools to incorporate into what they were already doing. I was the only one that was like, oh, this is going to be my career. <laughs> oh, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be doing this. Um, and just kind of navigating that, navigating microaggressions, navigating, you know, a lot of the things that can come with that. So I think those those are my top uh, few challenges. How does... Um your coaching structure actually work. You know, you spoke about being in this game for 10 years and, you know, meeting your clients where they're at and all that good stuff. But do people contact you from the website, Instagram? Is it one-on-ones? What does it look like for you? I would say, to be honest with you, my I've run my business completely off of referrals. So I'm sure you see from my socials, I don't promote my coaching. I say, yes, I'm a life coach, but I never say, hey, here's my, here's my stuff. Click here to work with me. And it's hap happened really organically because of how important it is to me to build relationships. And, you know, the quote, people will always remember how you made them feel. I'm sure, you know, more often than not, because I'm not perfect, but I'm making people feel seen and heard based off of, hey, what's your name? Can I learn something about you? You know, all these things that I've been doing throughout my life have now come to second nature to me. So I would say 90% of people who reach out are referrals. I would say 5% come from Instagram and my website and the other 5% would come from corporate. 
but I'm definitely like a very hybrid in everything I do. You know, that may not be the case for other people. It can be really hard to start your coaching practice from the ground up. I started from the ground up, but I had a really large network because I was throwing events. So everyone, you know, I walked down King Street and I was like, Rhea, hey, Rhea, hey, Rhea, hey, Rhea. Why? Because I'm a chatty Kathy. <laughs> so people know me and, you know, your reputation follows you around. And I, w- I was really blessed that my parents taught me those really, really strong values early on. You know, you, te- you treat the CEO and the custodian with the same respect. I was the only promoter walking into the club and I knew every single person's name. So even, even the person in the, in the washroom staff, you know, because every single person deserves to be seen, heard and valued. So I spread those positive vibes everywhere I go. And so people remember me. And, you know, that might be harder for other people. But I think being true to yourself and aligning with your values always will help people succeed. You have a very good memory. (laughs) (laughs) Like to remember all those names, I'm like, oh my God, it's giving me anxiety already. (laughs) Because I trained myself to remember everybody's name for real. Do you have any tricks? Like, you know how people associate it with like an item that has the first letter? Yes. My number, number, number one trick is to ask for it right away. And then when the conversation ends or throughout the conversation, just embed it immediately. So the moment someone, I meet someone, oh, so great to meet you, Cleo. Oh yeah, absolutely. Got you, Cleo, hundred percent. Yeah. And then it's like embedded. And then because I'm such a visual person, I never forget a face. So when I face to now it's embedded into my brain, locked in forever. And I've had people challenge me on it. I remember one time I was in Bahamas and someone came up to me and he's like, Freya, what's up? And I was like, what's up? How are you? And he's like, you don't remember me, do you? And I was like, mm. and he was like, I, I served you once at, at Chow on King. And I said, how long ago? And he said, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, boom, Adrian. And he was like, oh. <laughs> He was like, how did you remember that? And I was like, okay, it's not always that good, but it it works for sure. So, and because it's important to me to remember people's names. So when you attach a memory with emotion, nine out of 10 times, it'll stay with you longer. You know, people can, every single person can remember their wedding day. Like it was the back of their hand or their child's birth or the most impactful birthday, but sometimes can't remember yesterday. So when we attach memories with emotion, it tells the brain to store it into long-term memory. What's the recommended time frame that you work with one of your clients? I don't know if you call them clients, but is it ever a one-off or is it always kind of like a six-month, one-month? How does that work? Yeah, when I first started, I was pretty regimented about it only being three months. That was the minimum. And that, uh, because it was so new, scared some people. And I just stuck with it and it ended up being better because for me, I want to see the impact. I want to work the you know, first month for me is usually to unpack things. Second month is to implement. Third month is to reflect. It doesn't always happen that way, but that's kind of how I usually envision them. Um, in the last year, I started doing one-off sessions or you know, executives and super high level people that are like, hey, I'm struggling with this one thing. Can we focus and work on it right now? And so I, you know, if that's the one thing you want to work on and you're aware that this is a one-time session, I do always provide a follow-up, let's go. I prefer the three-month, but the minimum I'll do is either one high-level session or one-month package, which is usually one session a week. But then ultimately, it's about what's best for them, right? So some, I used to do, it has to be every week, same time, consistency, continuity. And now I'm like, hey, if you want to take a week in between so to let it percolate, I'm in. Or you want to take two weeks in between, let's do it. 
Um, so I'll do, I do workshops. I do Friday feels meditation every Friday morning at eight 30 on my Instagram. Just that's sort of like a safe space. And for anyone who may be new to meditation, just kind of, Hey, Friday mornings, let's start our weekend off. Right. And I haven't been hosting a lot of workshops on my own. So I've just been being hired in to do some, but normally I try to do, you know, a, workshop or two like maybe four times a year uh so i'll probably get back into that maybe zoom i just wasn't necessarily fired up about planning a zoom one to be completely honest with you there there were so many events and i was also speaking at all of those events so i was like are people sick of me because (laughs) you know so i'll probably get back to it at some point if need be via zoom you know come fall if not, then hopefully some outdoor in-person like meditations or something like that. But I, and yes, right. But in an effort to also, you know, honor my own capacity, I've been building and building and building so that I can have launch a few things in the next little bit. So that was kind of a space that created that for me, which was great. And of course, my new role of manager of culture, diversity, inclusion at SickKids has takes up a huge chunk of my time. So stepping back from those things was something that helped be able to give that a good chunk of my time. Congratulations on that, by Thank the way. Thank you. Yeah, it was. That's amazing. I love to see it. Yeah, you know, bringing, bringing my vibe to a pretty corporate space. And I wasn't looking for a job, a nine to five at all. I've never been a nine to five gal. I've always been about me creating my own dream, entrepreneur life. You know, can't nobody tell me nothing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and it fell across my lap and I said, huh, okay. I didn't look at it for two weeks. And then here's where things get interesting. I remember it and I go, hmm, the world's shifting. Everybody's becoming a coach. You should pivot when you're at the top, not when you're on the way down. And benefits and pension, something that an entrepreneur never really has access to. So I said, okay, let me look into it. Let me just check. And then for the first time in my life, I wrote a job posting where someone like me, who's an entrepreneur who never looks good on paper, felt seen. The language was inclusive. The language said, even if you do not have all of these qualifications, please apply. Please tell us how some skills you may have can be applied to this role, even if it's not work. So I said, okay, are they going to let me be me, show up my authentic self? And here we are. So it was, it was felt like it was the role that was meant for me. Oh, and when I finally opened the job posting again, I had two days to apply before it closed. I mean, all that to say, I mean, do you feel like COVID has helped you or hindered you? Oh, I mean, yeah, I think there's a, there's been pros and cons on, 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 on all sides. I think it helped me slow down and focus on me and, and the people that I really care about set me up to be some top of mind for a lot of people because I was already one of the leading coaches who certified, et cetera, et cetera. My brand partnerships, you know, working with some of the top companies in the world added to the credibility, which was important because a lot of brands are reluctant to work with life coaches because of, you know, what we <laughs> chatted about. And the first thing I did when COVID, you know, after the first, after the first, like, Hey, we're going to be in here for longer than two weeks. I said, okay. I'm already bored. At first I was like, sweet, two weeks to kind of just relax and no one's doing nothing. Let me, I just come off of like three trips, Black History Month, 
busy, busy every day. So I was like, oh, this is a break. This is amazing. And then I said, oh, no, this is not a break for everybody. You know, this is impacting so many different people in so many different ways. So the first thing I did was open up my calendar to complimentary coaching sessions for anyone and everyone. I was doing 10 sessions a day. I didn't ask for anything in return. I didn't even want a testimonial. I said, this is not for clout. This is to help anyone who may be needing some extra support right now. And I did that for the first six months. And I'm a firm believer that you get what you put out. And that karma just came back tenfold. And the universe was like, here's everything you've been calling in. Here's everything you've been manifesting. Every single thing I wrote down showed up without me having to really go after it. And I can't say that that is just because that my Instagram, you know, so pros and cons. But I think being able to come from a selfless place allowed my work to continue to transcend. Um, well, where do you see your coaching career over the next few years? Hmm, great question. I mean, I've always been a dreamer. I've always been a visionary. I've always said, you know, I can see everything. But when it comes to the little things, I don't know how to do that. That's why I need my EA. Shout out to my team because doing it all myself is slowing me down. But um, what I see, the number one thing is scaling my business. And I think a lot of people talk about scaling in regards to making more money. And again, money's great. Sure. I want to scale so I can get more of my time back. I would like to scale because right now I am everything within the company. So if I don't show up, then nobody's making any money. And I'd like to be able for things to run sometimes without me having to be there. You know, my parents are getting older. You know, I want to be able to make sure that I'm not the person who feels in 20 years from now that, oh, I didn't spend enough time with my parents when they had more time for me, you know, and that's something I think about a lot. So I see my business being predominantly digital. I see myself doing mostly large keynotes for like 50,000 people, big stages and continuing to be me because literally that's all I can be. Um, we're with you on all of this, Rhea. Thank you so much for joining us today on Conversations with Coco and Friends. We have learned honestly a ton and your energy is so contagious. You've made my whole day like way more exciting. And thank you for making this amazing. We're sure everybody who's listening is going to agree with that. I love it. I really appreciate you all being here. You know, now I'm one of those friends. Let's go. <laughs> and just also wanted to say, I love seeing you all shine, but Coco, you know, seeing you grow and shine over the last few years and your journey, it's, it's been an honor to watch. So being here feels like a full circle moment because it's all about the people you've known throughout your life and supporting them in different ways. You know, you were one of the first panelists at my first um, panel event. Yeah. And you said, I'm, I'm super busy. Tell me when and I'll be there. And you were there, you know, so full circle moment, supporting you, supporting me, supporting the friends, supporting the team. A lot of love. All of it. All of it. And for those listening, you can find Raya at Coach Carrie. That's coach.carey on the gram. We're going to join you for those Friday morning meditation sessions. And everyone knows where to keep up with Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E on the gram. Stay tuned for more adventures because life just needs to open up like yesterday. But it's looking up for us, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Small details are big surfaces. 
tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 